Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is a really special episode for me. This is episode number 150, and when I think about it, um, I wanted to do something really special and also a little bit challenging for myself um, with around this episode. I know um, if you're into cricket, milestones obviously a really big thing. If you make 100, it's really good. Make 150, it's sensational. Something I've never done, but um, obviously getting a podcast here, I wanted to do something really, really powerful with it. So the discussion we're going to have today um, is quite deep and it's going to really touch a lot of issues around mental health and depression. So if you are suffering from that or you need some help, then um, definitely reach out or if those sort of topics are a little bit tough for you to handle at the moment, then maybe this is an episode that um, you want to come back and listen to another time. Um, I've got my father here today. Kevin, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Dale. Now, uh, really excited because we're in a brand new... I don't know what the sounds like, and I've never done one in here, Kev. But we have—I had a little goal that I wanted to rec- make an office recording studio, and you've been able to do that for me, which is awesome. So, um, first ever episode in here, which I'm really excited about. Um, also, you've been now that you're retired, you've been listening and doing a lot of walking, listening to my podcast, which is something I never thought was possible, and we'll probably talk about. Uh, your ability with social media and technology, which isn't very high, but for some reason you've been able to figure that out. So that's another reason I wanted to have on here as well. Stepping outside your comfort zone, and I want people listening today that um, if there's something that's uh, they've got an idea or something like that that does challenge them, um, then hopefully this will give you a little bit of incentive to go about that. So um, we're going to share your story today, Kevin, um, and I suppose... It is quite conflicting, um, and we'll just speak in a little bit before. We're both a little bit nervous, and I don't know the last time I was really nervous around you, but um, I suppose I want your story to be shared because you've got a story, um, and then that story sort of has affected me growing up as well, and it's probably something that uh, growing up as a kid, we were a little bit misunderstood, um, and we had a number of sort of run-ins, and there was times when we weren't speaking to each other and things like that, and I suppose it all comes back to... Um, your upbringing and everything you've been able to do. So um, I know we're going to talk about the amazing work you've done, but um, this is only the sort of things I've figured out later in my life about everything that you've, you've done and you've been able to help other people. So do you want to share for those listeners out there, uh, firstly, welcome to the podcast again, mate. Um, do you want to share your story? Um, and only you can probably do that the best. Yeah, no, thanks very much, Dale. Um, yeah, my story's... Um an interesting one. Um, I was born, I'm 61 years old. I'm one of six children. I'm the second, uh, second youngest. Uh, we were, I was born in Pine Lodge on a farm and we had 600 acres of irrigation. We had 600 acre foot of water. We milked 200 cows. We had uh, 2,000 pigs. And this is going back 50 years ago. So I'm talking... My father had a lot of foresight, and um, growing up as a five, six-year-old, I did a picture one day. My teacher asked me at primary school to do a picture of what you did over your holidays, and I did this picture of this row of pig sheds and a great pile of brown stuff out the front and a shovel in my hand, and they said, what's this all about? 
And I go, oh, that's what I did on my holidays. I cleaned out pig sheds with a shovel. You know, and we had 2,000 pigs. So how, how old were you at this stage? I was six. Okay. And, but we all, we all, all the boys did work on the farm. And um, my father was um, a very, uh, had a lot of foresight. Um, one year he bailed 200,000 bales of hay as a contractor, as well as having the farm. We had workers, and it was a big concern. And um, my, my, um, it was all pretty, uh, pretty intense. So uh, when I turned 14, um, I was still at school, and my, I went out and milked the cows this Saturday morning and my brother come running across the yard in his jocks and said, Dad's just shot himself. Um, he shot himself with a 303 rifle in his bed. Now, I didn't even realise my father had depression as a 14-year-old. Um, I, I couldn't have imagined. Did you, did you know what depression even was at that no, age? No, not really. It was... Um, I, I, whether it was a weakness or what I thought, I didn't, I, I can't say. Yeah. But, so, this was going to be a change in our lives. We, and I, as a 14-year-old, um, obviously had a few days off school because my father shot himself. And the funeral comes, I get up in the morning with my brothers and we go and tend to the pigs and milk 200 cows. So before the funeral, uh, before your dad's funeral, you've got to get up as a 14-year-old and, and work. Yep, milk 200 cows, come home from the funeral. Everybody comes back to a wake. We go down the paddock, get 200 cows, bring them back and milk them. And life just kept going on because there was jobs to do. So I never really got to mourn my father. And um, through one person not being able to, having depression, um, it, it made a difference to, to seven, six kids, his wife, and to their siblings, um, because it has a flow-on effect. I, um, I looked at things, uh, I, I left school just before 15 because there was plenty of work to do at home, and um, I wasn't an academic anyway. Um, so on the weekends I'd get up and milk 200 cows, go and play footy, come home, milk 200 cows and then go out to the dance. And I, I, I was like a man at, at, at 15, 16. And, um, everything I did was, um, like as if I, I didn't answer to too many people because we just had jobs to do. Yeah. So do you, do you think that you were deprived of a childhood because you never... I'm sure you had one, but you didn't really. When you think about it, I, I just think back to, and probably a lot of people listening, what you're doing at 14. And I know I was very fortunate. I wasn't getting up, milking cows and having to work. I was able to go to school. You know, do you, do you think you were deprived of childhood? Oh, I still went and played tennis and um, did other things. I, I had a motorbike when I was 15 and I did 15,000 miles on the road. Yeah. Like not going into towns, but just... Going to see my mate. <laughs> yeah, so and, for people listening now, that that's highly illegal. So you can't that's, do that. that. <laughs> but but we had we had the six hundred acres, and and to get pigs from the back eighty acres to the front eighty acres, it was a five mile drive. 
So I'd get on a motorbike at 14, 15, I was 15, ride, ride five mile to our other farm, which was on the same block, but instead of going through the farm, I'd get into a paddock of 80 acres with 300 sows, work out which ones were going to farrow within the next two weeks. Uh, we had a pen in the middle of this paddock in a shed, and I used to round them up and get them in there and then go home, pick up the ute with the tandem trailer on it, come back and load the pigs up, bring them home, take them back to the where they're going to farrow. So this is stuff that, that yeah. was just normal. But that that was that's just what you did. So going back to obviously everything, like as a fourteen year old, you you didn't have time to sort of mourn, and you no. had to get on with things. Was there anything put in place? Did you talk about it with your brothers? Because obviously you had to work with them. And did you speak about it with Nana? Did you speak about it with your three sisters? Was there was there any chat, or is it just like it didn't happen? Didn't happen. So so no one just, spoke about just it. Just Dad wasn't there anymore. That was the only difference in my life. My father wasn't there. But you had to pick up the slack and... Well, we all did. Yeah. We all did, and, and it was suck it up, precious. And and so, uh, I, this is what I mean. I, he, it was one of those things we never really spoke about as when I was growing up either. I knew that, obviously, you'd, like I had a, a step pop and things like that. But did... So when did this all... Because like, there's only so long you can shut things out and there's so much research on it and that's why I want to talk about this today because having these conversations is powerful. But when did this all start coming out? Because like, obviously you can only mask something for so long, Dad. Yeah, you can. Um, so um, I had different issues. I left the farm as a 16-year-old um, and my brother took over with a, with another guy and... Then after that, we ended up selling the farm because it was just too big, too much. And maybe we, we, we weren't... It was my father's dream, not mine. Yeah. So um, I, I met, met my wife and I, one of the things that I really, really was upset about was the fact that my father never met my wife. Mm. And because Karen is the loveliest lady. Yeah. And never met any of my kids. Anyway, I got married and I ended up um, doing a few different jobs. But then I, I became a bricklayer. I, I helped one of my mates need to labour. So I went, no, yeah, I can do that. And I learned how to lay bricks. And I got married. With Karen and I built a house, a new house. We, were, uh, we, ha we worked hard. Because it, it was pretty hard going there, wasn't it? Like um, money was pretty tight. Well, at the start it wasn't bad, but when we got kids it started to get tired. <laughs> so Karen and I, I was married at 21, Karen was 20, and I, we never had kids until 26, and we wanted to set ourselves up, and I remember waking up as a 28-year-old in bed with, with Karen crying, sobbing, and wondering what the hell's going on, and... Because I had a, um, a great career in front of me, uh, um, I was earning money, we, we were in a comfortable new house, but I, I worked out that I was mourning, I was mourning my father, and I'd never been able to do that. Um, <clears throat> through this, we had a friend, Jenny O'Connell, who, who was a psychologist, yeah. and I started seeing her, and I would have seen her for nearly two years. And started to sort my head out and worked out because I had it in my head that my father didn't love me. 
or didn't love any of us kids to, to leave us with a mess that he couldn't handle. Um, and I worked out in myself that it wasn't true and I worked out what depression was. And depression, it's, it's, it's a, a, an ugly thing and um, untreated. My father was on tablets for it, I didn't realise, but after 12 months on these tablets, they start working the opposite and you end up getting more depressed. And that's what happened. So he wasn't picked up that he was getting more depressed on these tablets. And, uh, than so that, he, he thought they were helping him out, but well, really he, that's yeah, that's right. So do you think when you're working with Jenny, do, were you going, did you, have you suffered depression? I have, yep. yeah. I, I've been through a couple of black holes, yeah. um, but I was lucky enough to get out of them through, um, uh, and, and my family suffered through all this, through my alcoholism um, and um, just being trying to create as much as I can. So, so bury yourself in work. Yeah. So do you, and I, I'm probably a victim of this myself, Dad, and you probably learn from each other, but alcohol was obviously a big masker for you. That, Very big. Yeah, that you relied on that quite yep, heavily. Yeah, I did. Um, and also work. Yeah. You were like, oh, if I'm earning money, then it, it'll block everything else out. And, and, and everything will be all right because we'll have, we, yep. we won't need. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I did some Reiki with another lady for about 12 months. And this Reiki, I had so much shit in my body. Yeah. And Reiki worked so well. Uh, it, it, it eased a lot of my pain. It, it, it took some away. Um, I'd go, it was in Andira where I did my Reiki. And this lady... I'd go out there at 100 mile an hour, I'm driving 110, 20k an hour, where everything was flat out in my life. It still is. <laughs> and when I would leave Reiki, I'd be there for an hour and a half, and I'd drive home at 80k an hour, watching the road, and thinking, whoa, and, and just being all fuzzy in the head, because so much shit was shifting. Yeah. Um, I ended up um, being told about a group of guys that were, were meeting and uh, there was a couple in in um, natural therapies and there was about six of us saw each other for about a month, two months and, and just talked as men and one of my good friends today, Dale Wright, came along and um, he had depression at the time and he was looking for something and he came along and he reckons we were stewing in our shit a bit. We, we weren't getting to the big meaningful spots. You were chatting, but you probably weren't getting deep enough. We weren't getting way. deep enough. Yep. And, and Dale said, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And he went off and decided to uh, start up a men's group called um, Talking Straight. And he asked me to come along and help facilitate. And, well, I'm just sidey. I'm just... Just a knockabout, I'm, I'm not a facilitator. And Dale said, well, I'm not a facilitator either, but he is a very kind, gentle man and very giving. And we started doing these, uh, this Talking Straight men's groups, and that was 25 years ago now. And I have um, been with Dale side by side, and we've had over 200 men go through 21 groups. And talking straight is exactly what it is. It's talking straight. No shit. You start talking shit, we we tell you you're full of shit. Yeah. So how how did 
that because you you would always start off by telling your story, wouldn't you? That's how you'd start each group. How 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 did that help you? Well, help me shift my story uh, and and not relive it, but but say that's all right. Yeah, it it it, it wasn't my doing. Yeah. So when you start, when we started each group, each group was thirteen weeks. Um, of a Tuesday night, and it could it could go for two hours or three hours, and the only commitment Dale and I wanted from anybody was the commitment that you'd be there every week for the thirteen weeks. And to start off, we we sit in a circle and and we talk, and uh, we have a talking stick. And when you've got the talking stick, you've got the floor. Nobody butts in, and what whatever you say is is fine. Nobody judges you, and. So at the start, we tell our story, and I'd tell my story, and people would go, right, that's how deep you can go. Yeah. And it made for um, something that was very, very deep, and and everybody could could see every each other's pain, a lot with divorce, a lot with um, and suicide. And I'd tell people my story, and they'd go, right. So by me committing suicide, it will affect. It's not just me. No, and it, and that's I think that's the biggest thing that it's not you. But so I this is for me. I think you and probably started when I was about fourteen, and at that stage, um, I could just see you drinking a lot. Um, and don't get me wrong, I've been so fortunate. You're an amazing dad. But what I saw was somebody masking their issues and their pain and not dealing with it. But you actually were, and it's I just wish I had a scene when you retired. You know, I, and I spoke about this on an episode where um, I rocked up to out the front of uh, mum and your work and there was 60 blokes there and they're all hugging you and, and you and mum and saying they love you and everything you've done. And I'm like, wow, it, that's when for me, I was like, oh, he has been dealing with it. So for me, like, and just for people out there, how, I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, dad, and you've done an amazing thing there. Is there a way you wish you might've done it differently now from everything you've learned, like particularly at home for us kids or um, with your own family and things like that, from what you've learned helping other people telling your story? Is there, it's probably a really hard question, um, but is there a way or something you wish you might have done differently or, or that looking back now you could have done differently? Oh, there's lots of things I could have done differently. Yeah. But um, by me growing up, uh, to give you an idea... I have three sisters and there's three, and I've got three, two brothers. Um, my, my name is Kevin Raymond Sidebottom. My next brother has got three names, like he's got two first names. My sister's all only got one because they didn't need to sign checks and they didn't need to. So it was a ma- male-dominated spot where I came from. Yeah. Um, the girls did the dishes and the boys did all the farm work. Yeah. And we weren't expected to do any, any dishes. It's chauvinist, it, and it's it's not the way I want things to be today. Yeah, but that's where I came from, and uh, for for me learning how to be a father, it's the hardest job in the world to learn how to be, and this it's the only job where all you have to do is have sex. Yeah, there's no like to no be a bricklayer. I had to go. I had to go and learn how to do it, but to have kids and be a father, it's just. You just have to suck it up and get out there and do it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so with that, 
like obviously you learn as you go and things like that and you've always been I think one of the most generous people ever but it's always with items or things like that is that another way that you sort of I don't know prove that you're going all right or that um, you do care about people but you just don't know you haven't known the emotional side of things maybe because you didn't get that as a kid like and and you do now like you're the best like but it's I suppose oh, that's sure yeah but that's something sure. you learn for sure you have to learn it and and was easy to get money out of your pocket or to to buy something, um, and and I know that's not by it was buying love. Yeah. And I I never saw hugs and kisses and um, so in this men's stuff that we're doing, we do tell each other we love us, yeah. love each other, and some blokes in the group have said nobody's ever told me that before. Mm. So it it is so powerful. And what do you want? You know, because you said you love me. What What are you What are you trying to get? Yeah. And nothing. Yeah. Just being there. Just and, being there. I care. And that. And when I saw that, Dad, and, and for those, I've painted the picture. I, I can't remember the episode, but it's if you go back through, it was in the nineties, I think. Um, and it was like a horseshoe, and I was at the end, and they'd gone around everyone saying they love you and hugged you, and I, I'd never seen anything like that. And I suppose I try and hug everyone now and I try and tell people this because I've seen that but for me that's not something that is it's, I think it's becoming more and more but as you said for males it's you don't tell someone you love them you don't tell them what they mean to you um, you wait until something bad happens at a funeral or you know they retire but for you to go and do that I think that's a really powerful thing and for people listening um, it does show vulnerability big time when you expose yourself like that but I think also sharing your story like this, Dad, you've been very vulnerable. So what's some of the biggest things you've learned about yourself from uh, when, you know, talking straight started or when just dealing with everything you have from, like you said, 28 years old when you started having these, you know, morning issues and stuff like that. From now to then, because I know you speak to a lot of groups now and, and you say you're not a public speaker, but not many people could get up and talk like you do about what you've been able to talk about. So what have you learned about yourself from telling your story? Um, that, that I am actually a, a good person. Um, none of this was my doing. Um, it wasn't my fault. And I ha so I've had to go through all this in, in, in my mind. And, and I've gone out and I've got old motorbikes and what have you. And I, I've ridden out and, and sat beside my father's grave on my motorbike saying, you know, I get it. I get where you've been and what happened. Yeah. Um, and it's being able to accept the fact that it, that it wasn't anybody's fault. Yeah. And that's probably one of the big things. Yeah. Just just, just accepting that it's happened. And it happened. And, and hopefully we can, we can save other people from it happening too. Yeah. Because I, I think some alarming stats, Dad, that uh, I think 800,000 people a year around the world or something, you know, die from... They're talking six a day. Yeah. Yeah. And this is... And everybody has somebody they can actually talk to. Yeah. And most people will talk to you. Yeah. But it's not in a pub. And it's... Most people are willing to listen. They mightn't be able to help, but they can. They can listen and care. Yeah. And that's one of the big things. Because um, life's so bloody tough. Yeah. It, well, it is, mate. And I think like, the one thing you just mentioned there, and a big thing about talking straight is that there's no alcohol involved. No. And I think too often... And I know personal experiences when I've been going through rough times and things like that, that 
you normally open up after you've had 15 beers or something like that. Yep. And, and it doesn't mean anything because you forget about it and it, it actually probably makes things worse. It does because it's it, it's it's not there. It's it's something that um, isn't real. Yeah. It's, it, it's got to come from your heart. Yeah. And um, so many people need to know that, that they are loved. Yeah. And and but you can do that, but you can't if you're pissed. That's... No, exactly right. So from like for you doing that, particularly starting out talking straight, particularly because you you probably you were an alcoholic. Like you, yeah, yeah, and I, you're not now. And I know we went through a stage there where I blamed you for a lot of issues in my life, and they come back to alcohol as well. And that was my way of dealing with things because I didn't want to own up to things that I was a bad person for either. And I'm not saying you're a bad person, but how hard was it when you relied so heavily on alcohol to go and tell your story to random strangers without it? Yeah, good question. Um, I. I, I just, I worked out that it was all right to do, and it actually, there's a bit of healing in it. Yeah. And and by letting other people know, um, because helping facilitate, you'd think I was something um, that, that nothing had happened to, or, but everybody's got a story. Yeah. And... Um, and mine isn't the most horrific story I've ever heard. Some of them, are, some stories I've heard, and people have lived with for years and, and and never said, and that have come out. I feel so um, relieved for those people because um, it does it. It helps you shift. Yeah, yeah, it it does, and and that's just the power of talking. Even. And I just did recently did an episode, I think it was 147, with Rocky Biasi talking about how to start those conversations or, or what to do. So if you're sort of in this position and you probably know someone that needs to, I'd, I'd go and listen to that episode because Rocky, they're very simple steps, but people don't know where to start. And just doing something is better than nothing, isn't it, Dad? For sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so one, I just got a couple more questions. And I know you probably, you've always wanted... Uh, to feel loved and reassured or for someone to be proud of you because you have worked really hard. And um, I know I've been so fortunate that um, I've had the best upbringing in a lot of ways, but then also it was quite tough in another lot of ways with what we've just spoken about it. Um, is is there something you'd like to say to your dad if you could? Like if you could look at Arthur, and I know I'd like to say good day because I've never met him, but is there? do you ever think like if there's like you'd, you'd like to say something to him? Yeah, I, I would have. I I would have liked to have told him slow down, slow down, and and smell the roses. You know, give us a minute. I I've got a story as a as a four year old. Um, Dad used to come in every morning for morning smoke with workers into our kitchen, and every afternoon, and as a four year old, I'd get a piece of baling twine and I'd tie his legs to the chair. As a four year old. <laughs> Every day, every day I did this. Dad would get his Joseph Rogers pocket knife out when it's time to go, cut the rope, and go. All I wanted was to spend more time with him. I, wow. It was, was like, I wanted him to stay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and, and it just didn't happen. Do you think that comes back to, like, probably you've done it and I do it too, like trying to achieve something and be something, but instead... You're really missing out on things like that, just being present. 
And oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, there's so many free things out there with with kids that don't cost anything and just to sit there and be able to be with them and talk with them. Yeah. And, and I never had time. Yeah. Uh, because I always had to have something else done because we need, we want. Yeah. It's it's funny. I'm the same. I think I'm slowly getting better at it, but it's one of those things, isn't it? I think you you learn from people in your lives, and that's something that uh, yeah, I definitely need to do as well. And I think anybody, Dad, just if you can be present, it's such a powerful tool. Well, you're lucky. You're 34. I'm 61. Yeah. Right, but I'm still lucky too, because I got to get to 61. Yep. And I'm going to go a lot bloody further. But the thing is, as well, you're lucky too that you've been dealing with this because if you were just starting now, you know... Oh, I'd be a hell of a mess. Yeah, that's right. And so the earlier you can talk about these and sort these things out, the better your life's going to be. Now you're retired now, and that's quite young these days. You've still got a lot to live for. Whereas if you were holding this inside... It's all shit on the liver, I call it. And, and that's where cancers, everything else grows from shit on the liver. Yeah. You need to get it out. You, yeah, need, and that's, you need to get rid of it. And that's the power of talking. So, Dad, I've just got a couple of um, questions to finish off with. What are, what are you most proud of from... I know you're very proud for everything you've created for our family and things like that, but they're only materialistic. They're items. Um, what are you most proud of from where you've been able to come from, that 14-year-old boy that on the day of your dad's funeral had to work morning and night? Like, What are you most proud of from what you've been able to achieve since then? Easy. Three kids. Yeah. And to sit back and look at Dale and his two sisters, um, they've all got great jobs. They, they, they all um, have integrity. They, they, um, they've got a work ethic um, and they're beautiful people. And, and if that's my legacy to this world, um, it's a big honour to Karen too for the way she's been able to bring them up. Um, and that's 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 one of my legacies mm. is my three children that I, that I love dearly. <laughs> it's a bit, uh, you got a bit choked up in there, Dad. Um, and thank you for that. Final one. Um, if you could, and I always ask this, and I know you probably know because you listen to all my podcasts now, but if you could look back to 18-year-old Kev um, and give one bit of advice from obviously 61 years now, what would that be? Um do us to others as you have them do unto you, because um, you don't get anything back for being an arsehole. <laughs> Sorry for my, the way I talk, but I call it as it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, mate. I think uh, straight to the point, I think people like that, Dad. Um, and uh, normally I get uh, all my guests to say where they can contact you afterwards. So what's your opinion on social media and what's your email, Kev? Mate. I got a phone number and I actually I actually learned how to text there two years ago and um, sometimes I've been even given a hand to send a picture with the text but it's but yeah very limited. Um, guys, if if you do want to reach out and maybe uh, chat to obviously Dad, then you can do so to me. You can email me or whatever, and I know that um, you're very generous with your time and you just want to try and help as many people as you can. So. Um, if today's episode, uh, you know, you, you feel something from it, then, um, yeah, reach out to Dad or reach out to somebody else. Like Dad said, there's no 
Right or wrong way to start a conversation, and like I mentioned, episode 147 with Rocky Biasi is a really good way to start about those conversations, which I think is important, and doing something is better than not doing anything. So, um, Dad, I, I hope somebody gets something out of that. I know um, I've never been so nervous, even when I started my podcast. I know you walked in here sort of already crying. Um, yeah, I, I just really hope that people can see Sometimes doing confronting things leads to great results. And not only that, just talking about it. And even I heard things today that I haven't heard in my 34 years. Um, and that, yeah, mate, I'm really proud of you as a dad and where we've come. So um, thanks, you know, for telling your story and helping so many other people. And um, even though we had a roughy time, um, yeah, we've got a lot of good years ahead of us. So We have. Yeah. We have. Thanks, Dad. Love you, mate. Love you too, Dale. Thank you. Just before you go anywhere, guys, that's obviously a really, uh, I'm recording this afterwards now because that was extremely confronting for me and and dad. Um, And we just really want to stress that please sort help if today's episode hit home or or just even talking about anything. It's probably something that um, I wish we had done when we're growing up a little bit better. Um, Our relationship now is stronger than ever. um, And particularly if mum and dad been retired, I get to see them a lot more um, and we chat and we do a lot of things that we never did before so it can be mended if you've got relationships in your life at the moment that uh, are not going well um, sometimes it's as simple as a conversation and and letting the other speak and listen and so forth like that and I'm not saying I'm perfect but um, we've been through a lot of ups and downs dad and if anything to go by today how powerful that was and hopefully it helps everybody out there and the big thing I want you to take away was I was scared out of my mind to do that. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. Um, and I feel, I'm sort of shaking uh, when I think about it. But I'm also really proud of myself and Dad for being open and honest to do that. So if there's something out there that you want to do or that you know that scares you, but you know it'll be good and it'll really help you and help others, then I would highly recommend giving it a go because I feel so good after doing that today. And hopefully... Everybody gets something out of it. Um, As I said, if you need help, sort that out. Um, Seek a medical professional. And hopefully you enjoyed episode number 150. Guys, have a great day. Thank you very much.